0: Hi everyone, Dr. Liz here. Welcome to the Hypnotize Me podcast. I'm glad you're here, glad you're listening and learning, and hopefully it will help you with your journey along the way. I am a psychotherapist with a specialty in anxiety, insomnia, and deeper emotional healing. Hypnosis is one of the tools in my toolbox that I use to help people feel better and to help people be better. I do work all over the world. Please feel free to reach out and contact me if you would like some help. I've been an entrepreneur for most of my adult life, built an award-winning company, sold it, and then focused mainly on my private practice. That gives you a unique perspective, especially my ability to work with people in business at all kinds of levels. Before I go, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go and subscribe to the newsletter. And you'll get free hypnosis downloads that you can listen to immediately. Another way is to buy one of the downloads that I have for sale. I only have a couple up there, but they're good ones. They've stood the test of time. Or if you'd like to join my Patreon, that's an additional way to support the podcast. I made the decision to not run ads during my podcast because I really do see it as an act of service. I completely respect people who do have ads on their podcast, but it's just not my path. But a great way to show your own support for it is to join the Patreon. So if you're interested, pop on over there and check it out. All right, everyone, enjoy the episode, and I hope to see you back here soon. Hey, everyone. Dr. Liz here. I think you're going to love this interview. Gina really is a change expert. And we end up talking about all kinds of change in this interview, personal, financial, work-related She's a great storyteller, but also explains exactly how she works with someone to create change or to train them to create change in their clients and how you can work with yourself to do that too. So she is really like the coach of the coaches. And in speaking with her, I could immediately see how she's so successful. So let's jump in. Peace. Hi, Gina. Welcome to the Hypnotize Me podcast. Thanks for having me. Yes, yes. I was excited when your information came across my uh, inbox because I always like interviewing people that are directly working as uh, change agents, hypnotherapists. I know you have um, NLP. You're an NLP master. And NLP for... Uh, audience members who have never heard that is neurolinguistic programming and is, well, how do you explain it to people in like the simplest way?
1: The simplest way is, um, you know, NLP is a, is a, is a mechanistic model that is, um, you know, the study of success and how to replicate it. So, it, you know, I know that seems very vague, but <laughs> totally vague. Yes. <laughs> but it's not it, like, the thing is, is people have it, of the, all these things that it's not, it's really just a series of Models or processes, if you will, or step-by-step instructions on how to achieve the same results others have achieved, but faster and with less effort, because it's been um, recorded and you know put in sequence for you. You know, step one, this; step two, that; step three, this. So, um, but but NLP is really the the collection of that because when Bandler and Grinder uh, created the the field, if you will, in the seventies, all they did was take, you know, what people have been doing for hundreds or thousands of years, which is trying to replicate other people's success.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then they turned it into a series of patterns, programs, things you could, you know, execute. So do this, if you wanted to be in a positive state more, you know, like it was just a way of turning it into like a guidebook. Um, And so I don't know what, I mean I've heard, obviously I've heard some of the things that people think it is but it's not that it's really of all the things I know and I know a lot of things mm-hmm. is probably one of the most linear things that I know mm. so when I say study of success and how to replicate it because it it's more of a practice than a thing if you use the the principles of NLP you should be able to replicate any success by knowing how to model someone knowing how to break it down into steps knowing how to install it in yourself and all of NLP techniques do this, but it's also a an approach to success mm-hmm. versus a uh, 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 you know a thing. It's not a like NLP. Like people will say, "Well, do NLP." It's like, well, which for part? What? Like, yes. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like what do you want to do? Well, Maybe. what is
0: what That's, is your most common request in terms of someone wanting to use that process for? Well,
1: so I do things a little bit differently, I suppose, than, uh, than other people, because we center everything around breaking through, right? Mm -hmm. So we, you know, there you are in your life, and there's this next level on the horizon. And who we serve, are people who are trying to break through that barrier faster, and with less effort than the natural course of events would occur, right? So I always tell prospective clients or students you don't need me you don't need us mm-hmm. you're going to get there it's a natural evolution you're going to humans are constantly striving for more and more but what we do at greatness you or the work that i do with my you know very few select private clients is we accelerate that process we use nlp we use hypnosis we use timeline therapy we use huna we, we use all kinds of things mm-hmm. um and the goal is you know generally speaking, remove what prevents you and install what's missing. Mm, okay, so I know your company does
0: training and team building. So you, you're working with other companies as well to do this. You're working with individuals wanting to be trainers or coaches. Tell me a little bit more about that. And then well, I gotta-
1: Yeah. I mean, if you think about the generalized generalized world of people, um, Mm -hmm. our our most saturated market is in business because they're rewarded based on performance. Mm -hmm. So corporate team building and training is a natural place to work because it's, you know, where people are trying to achieve goals and make more money and do all these kinds of things and then our our sort of you know if i was to take that and hone it in i would say it's the leaders of leaders that we really work with because they have to you know first of all they're interested in their own peak performance mm-hmm. and they have to know how to elicit it in others and specifically mm-hmm. like we do work with coaches and coaches have a unique relationship with people in that they have permission to change someone right so when you mm-hmm. work with a coach you sort of give them permission to help you change exactly you know what you're doing or how you're doing it yes when you're a leader of
0: people in- well supposedly well yeah supposedly. i was good so yes. right. so, so i'm assuming some of your training is about like okay people sign up for coaching right. same thing with therapy right and then right like, like project everything yes and it. and
1: and so you heard me hesitate because Because that is a case, right? But theoretically, that's why I use the word theoretically. When you hire a coach, there's permission to change. So let's come back to that because it's actually very important. But in a company, and this is unique, is if you're a manager or a leader of leader or whatever you call yourself, you don't have permission to change the people who work for you. So while Mm -hmm. your role is coaching-esque, it's like a coach, right? Mm -hmm. You don't even have permission to change. So what we teach people how to do is what is peak performance? How do you elicit in yourself? And then what are the components and, and how can you arrange everything except the person to, mm-hmm. to make it conducive to performance? Mm-hmm. And how can you adu- adjust or adapt the environment to make the person want to change? So you can't make the person change. That's, and well, that's the most important thing in coaching, obviously Mm -hmm. And, but you can, if you're a leader in business, if you understand change and that's literally, that's probably my specialty. If I had to like, you know, take everything I do and put it into one bucket, it would be a bucket called change. So my specialty Mm -hmm. is change. And I know this is an audio interview, but on the board behind me, you can see a, a diagram. And there's an Mm -hmm. inflection point and that we call that point C. And that's my specialty is that is change. Change actually doesn't Mm -hmm. take very long, but the preconditions have to be met. And so if you don't have permission to change someone, then the only thing you can do is up their motivation. Mm -hmm. So as a manager, there are things that are within your control to, you know, alter. So we teach that we teach the theoretical side more for people who are kind of constrained by this coaching not coaching relationship but mm-hmm. we also train coaches and we train straight up coaches and and we are very clear with coaches straight out of the gate that what we teach is not another coaching program it's not meant to replace their coaching tools it's not mm-hmm. it's not meant to usurp their genre it, mm-hmm. we're more like a spice you know a, like a salt and pepper to a steak or something like that where we what we teach makes all forms of coaching work better Because Mm -hmm. we teach the mechanics, we teach the mechanisms of change, and all coaches work in their arena of change. So we teach how to make it less effort, how to, you know. So tell me what are the factors?
0: I mean, I'm sure there's many. No, there's only two. Oh, there's only two. I was going to say, tell me the top five
1: factors. There's only two. You You need (laughs) two conditions, and you can change anything. Right. So, and I want to be clear about something here. If someone mm-hmm. doesn't want to change, there's nothing mm-hmm. zero that you can do to change them.
0: Said every person who has a partner,
1: right? <laughs> However, like- the flip yes. side of that is that if someone wants to change, there's mm-hmm. nothing you can do to stop them. Mm-hmm. So you yes. delay them, you could distract them, but they're going to change. And, and this is this is the dynamic of, you know, this is just the way it is. So now, so therefore, there are only two conditions required to change anything. Obviously, the first one okay. is desire. You have mm-hmm. to want it for yourself. So it can't be something you come to, you know, and say, oh, my wife wants this, or my husband wants this, or my partner wants this, or my boss wants this, or my mom wants this, or my friend wants this. Mm-hmm. It has to be something you want. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then it ha- that. So once the de- desire is required without it, like we're not even having this conversation, mm-hmm. but when desire is there and you alluded to this earlier. So somebody comes, they hire a coach, clearly they want it. They're going to pay this money. They sign this agreement. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's required is 100% coachability or willingness to follow the instructions given by the coach. Okay. So whatever the coach mm-hmm. uses as their tools, the client must submit 100% without reservation to the process. And Mm. to the extent that they don't submit, it doesn't work. And it has nothing to do with the tool and has nothing to do whether it's been proven by any freaking science or anything like that. It Mm -hmm. has everything because everything will work. And hypnosis just because that's what we share in common is a very good example of people can be made to do ridiculous things. Just go to a stage show right? You'll you'll see people clucking like chickens. That doesn't mean that's what hypnosis is, by the way. Right. But that's what people think it is because that's what they're exposed to. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but hypnosis is just a mechanism. Hypnosis is a mind mechanism that says when you get the mind in a specific state, and I'll even be more specific there and say, let's put it in a specific brainwave frequency or slower. Yes. And you introduce selective thinking and it's accepted. Mm Mm-hmm that's the state of hypnosis well i just described for you um advertising and <laughs> people always people always react like that but i was an advertising executive many, many years ago and tvs put people in trances because of the because yes. of the technology the the way a screen yes. the way a screen is built yeah flickers, and phones i'll say right it mm-hmm. flickers and that flickering that high rate of flickering actually causes the brain to slow down it's just the function of the screen so now you're in a trance and nobody said anything mm-hmm. and now I'm introducing you know buy my washing powder or my toothpaste or whatever and if you don't resist it then you, if you don't mm-hmm. sit there and throw tomatoes at your screen and say I block this or whatever you accept it and then you go out and you think it's your decision but really it was planted in your mind when you were in a trance all advertising is hypnosis pick up any book on the advertising industry it's not even a secret. Yes, right. And yes, if true. you know the development of the critical faculty takes place around age seven, then the argument for advertising against children as being unethical is very sound because children yes. don't have the ability. They don't have the ability to block um, the suggestions till they're about seven ish. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, the, here's the thing How much is a Super Bowl ad? couple of million like dollars these millions days. Uh-huh. when I worked in advertising 30 second spot was a million dollars now that was a long time ago it's in the mm-hmm. millions now let's call it somewhere between three and ten million who knows who can- probably the point is it's a lot of money for a 30 second spot and if it's based on hypnosis then I would argue that hypnosis is one of the most valuable mechanisms on the planet
0: mm-hmm.
1: so maybe maybe what we say to leaders is maybe you should learn it decide for yourself if you can use it and then use it or not. I'm not attached. I'm not the hypnosis police. I, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a mechanism and it's a powerful one. And the way I, the reason I can tell you it's powerful is because we don't spend three to $10 million for 30 seconds on things that are not valuable. Right. So we don't produce results that the company wants. Exactly. Yeah. So the, but the point is that in a hypnosis session or a coaching session or an NLP session or, or whatever you, you as the listener to this show use as your tools if mm-hmm. the person follows your instructions they'll get the intended outcome but if they don't they'll get not the intended outcome so then what do you do well then you have to recognize what your job actually is so your job is to first make sure they want it so mm-hmm. right i i take about a dozen private clients in a year and I turn away more people than I take. And I only use these two criteria. So first I establish a burning desire. Like how bad do you want it? You know, 10 out of mm-hmm. 10, like prove it to me, blah, 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 whatever. And then I establish their coachability. And I do a series of mini, mini and macro tests to see how coachable they are. If they'll, mm-hmm. you know, if they, if I say, go to this website and read the whole page, do they do it? Because if they don't do it. In the first email, why are they going to do something that's infinitely harder,
0: right? It's so interesting. Like I followed the coaching world for quite a while and uh, like over 10 years or so. And this is the first time I've heard of someone assessing coachability.
1: And if you don't have coachability, I guarantee you 100%, it will either be the worst experience of your coaching life or you will fail. And then you'll Uh blame the tools or worse yourself. And then here's the big problem. You won't be able to make the impact that you know you can make because of beliefs that are false. And so Mm -hmm. this is the real cost because people go into coaching. They genuinely want to make a difference. So when I'm coaching coaches, and I did a webinar for coaches, and it was like three tips, and this was two of them. Mm -hmm. Um, So desire burning, got to be burning. And Mm -hmm. so if someone comes to me and they're like lukewarm, I'm like, I'm not for you. Trust me. Just go find somebody yeah. who wants to listen to you complain. And then the second thing is um coachability. And there's a famous hypnosis story actually. So Milton Erickson, as you know, probably yeah. one of the greatest ever. Um yes, yeah, so he's considered
0: like the grandfather. I was say, I would say in the US of hypnosis, just for the listeners. Greatest yeah.
1: hypnosis ever. Didn't really start thriving until he was in his 60s. Yeah. So he didn't even hopeful. hit the radar. He was just a doctor, right? I'm in my fifties, so I'm like, that's great. Yeah, right. Lots of time, tons of time, (laughs) because he understood this, and this I stole this from him. God Mm -hmm. bless the guy. So, so Erickson has this famous story where he would sort of ascertain a a client pre-client meeting. You know, like they'd have their their intro, whatever. You know, your free thirty minutes or whatever you do, and they would you know sort of determine they had the desire, and you know it seemed like a decent fit, and then he would give them a task. And he would say, okay, before I can see you, I need you to go climb Squaw Peak, because they, they, he lived in Arizona. Uh, mm-hmm. So this, it's got a new name now, but it, a mountain near his home. I need you to go mm-hmm. climb this mountain. And then after the, you climb the mountain, then we'll book the appointment. And so one day I was giving a keynote speech in Phoenix or somewhere near there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go climb Erickson's Magic Mountain. Right. Like, cause I, I want to see what the fuss is about. Maybe there's all these, you know, energetic vortices or some f- whatever. <laughs> yeah. So I climbed this mountain it is. and, and there were like hundreds of people also because it was like the outdoor stair master of the, you know, Scottsdale area. Uh, it was just the exercise. <laughs> I'm hoping
0: it was winter. No, it was hilarious <laughs> because I thought I was going
1: to be all alone on this, you know, solo journey. And there were hundreds of people, you know, just working mm. out. So that was my mm-hmm. first clue that there was something going on. So I did the hike and it's kind of hard. You go straight up and straight down and, you know, I'd stop and take pictures and try to be present, do all this shit you're supposed to do. And I mm-hmm. just couldn't, like I just couldn't, and I'm not particularly kinesthetic sort of, sort of begin with. So mm-hmm. kind of disappointed in my spiritual uh, experience. So I came all the way down, went to my gig. And so I was sitting with, uh, so I learned all of my hypnosis from Tad James. And so I was sitting with Tad after that and, uh, Tad's a master of hypnosis and it's too bad. Like Tad -tad died last year, um, but he really was one of the greats and Erickson was one of his idols. And I was like, so I did Erickson's magic mountain and nothing happened. And he was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I didn't feel anything. Like what the hell was supposed to happen? You know, Mm -hmm. one master trainer to another. I was like, what was supposed to happen? (laughs) he started laughing just like you did. And I was like, what? And he's like, you're a loser. I'm like why? <laughs> he's like, nothing was supposed to happen. What the hell did you think yeah, was going to happen? It was simply a test. It was a, t- it was a test of coachability. Yes. As Erickson knew if they would climb the mountain without question or resistance, Uh huh. when he would do his hypnosis, they would just follow his instructions, which was all that was required for yes. him to achieve success. If and Erickson, as you know, permissive, Inductions are the most difficult because they require the practitioner to make sure the client achieves the phenomena, but in a way that appears to be permissive. Now it appears mm-hmm. to be permissive, but it's it and I and and I use this because it's actually not, you don't proceed in Ericksonian hypnosis until you have compliance. But it's harder mm-hmm. to get compliance. Like obviously, if you're doing a more Esther books, you know military style when you're like close your eyes and you're like coming at them in a very authoritative way it's easier to get compliance because <laughs> I'm just, right it, well it's funny that you say that because that's totally not my style right, and I, so it's it not easy
0: i would not anticipate that i would get compliance that teach way
1: it, all. it has to match we yeah at all right so uh-huh. in our so we do it but but we do it the opposite way in our school so at greatness you obviously um you know we we have all these sort of corporate very practical applications, but we also teach what I'll call classical NLP hypnosis timeline therapy in a coaching Mm -hmm. sort of bundle. And Mm -hmm. in level one, you know, practitioner level, we actually teach Ericksonian hypnosis and Mm -hmm. everybody thinks we're crazy, but this was Tad's genius way back when, Mm -hmm. because if you can, if the only hypnosis you've ever learned coming out of the gate is Ericksonian, everything after that is piece cake. Mm -hmm. And we require in our classroom, the practitioner to succeed. So we do the hand touch to the face and, and we just keep like, we are standing over them, all the coaching assistants or whoever, you know, is in the training, supporting the practical aspect of the training until we see the client comply Mm -hmm. in the classroom, the exercise keeps going. And so sometimes the exercise can take quite a long time because you get this resistance that that surfaces Mm -hmm. in clients for whatever reason. And and I'm not interested in the reason because human beings are constructed for adaptability. And so however they're doing it has worked for them in the past. And you have to Mm -hmm. respect that. But you also have to respect is it's no longer appropriate for the current conditions. And And so I respect the fact that they are running an old program Mm -hmm. from a previously well-adapted behavior. Yes. But I also appreciate the fact that they're trying to achieve something they've never achieved before, and the program is no longer appropriate. So it needs to be Mm -hmm. dismantled and replaced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the only way you're going to do that is to hold space, if you will, um, where you are not accepting the new the current program and requiring the new one. Well, that's not easy. And so you that's why desire is uh, is critical because the desire is what propels them through the resistance. And then the coach's job is to hold them accountable to the coaching. Tools or whatever, whatever tools you're using. So it could be yeah. hypnosis, it could be NLP, it could be timeline therapy, it could be whatever you're trained in. It doesn't matter. It could be, mm-hmm. um, I'm just you know whatever. T- yeah, of behavioral therapy. Whatever yeah, CBT. Really, whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh-huh. The, the tool is irrelevant. People, people. Well, what are you saying? Every tool works. Yes, in theory, every tool would work.
0: Yeah, I had a mentor who, she actually trained me in regression type of hypnosis, regression for people who are not so familiar with hypnosis, where you're going back in time and you are looking at old beliefs, you're looking at old programming, and then working to change them and instill better beliefs for the current present time. Right. But she said to me at one point, she's like, a really good cognitive behavioral therapist, CBT therapist can get there. It just takes them longer. Like this is an easier way to do it sure. for people. It's shorter, it's faster.
1: That it's- That's the whole point. You don't need, like your, your listeners don't need you or me. They don't need us. Believe it or not, the world was working without us and it'll yes. continue working without us. But what people like coaches, therapists, what they do is they speed up the process. They, they take out the trial and error, right? It's, it's no different than yes. you could go to Nepal and climb Mount Everest. Yes, you can figure it out right before this interview.
0: I had someone coming to my house to do an estimate or something. And I said, Okay, um, I'm I'm sort of a bottom line girl. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) let's skip all the sales pitch and get to the bottom line because you were late and I have to prepare for a podcast interview. And he's like, Oh, what's it on? I said, Hypnosis. He's like, Oh, I went to hypnosis to uh stop smoking, but it didn't work. And I was like, Well, too too bad you don't trade. He works for a company because I said, Um, because I I have like a 95% success rate <laughs> with that.
1: It should be a hundred. Like, well,
0: yeah, yeah it should it. be a hundred. No, no. I agree. I'll tell you
1: right now, when somebody comes to me and they do the smoking bullshit, because smoking is one of those things where it's it's the lack of desire and the willingness. So they'll come to me and yes. i how bad do you want to quit? They're like, oh,
0: seven. Cause they like it. Yes. Well, it's interesting because I've gotten much better at assessing willingness. If someone says that I just came out of the hospital, I get those calls. And the doctor said, I have to quit. And I said, well, call me back when you have 10 reasons of your own. Right. That's it. anyway, The guy said to me, he's like, well, I don't need to stop. I already stopped. I did it through ayahuasca.
1: And I was like, that's fantastic. <laughs> You're saying, so whatever go here, it's, it's South America. A magic turtle. And if you yes. look at this turtle long <laughs> enough, you'll quit smoking. That'll work too, yeah. right? So the yes. thing is, there's a great story about willingness with smoking. So um, first, you gotta, they got to have their own desire. So maybe they yes. get, you know, usually it's some sort of shocking event, like somebody they know dies or whatever, but they, they've got to want to quit. Like they're like, yeah. I want to live to see my grandchildren or whatever. Fine. Mm-hmm. So once desire is there, desire is required before willingness, because without desire, you can't even start. But then willingness is interesting. So there's a famous task, and you know, all of your, if your listeners are hypnotherapists, take this task and run with it. So before mm-hmm. you agree to see the client, this is Erickson's Magic Mountain type of a task. Give them a journal and tell them to record before every cigarette write down mm-hmm. what they were thinking, what they were feeling, and what triggered their smoking, okay? They're mm-hmm. wanting to smoke. So the story goes, that this was this task was given to a CEO, and um, then, then the first session was going to be two weeks later. So for two weeks, okay. we need a record, a journal record. By the way, this works for weight loss as well. So a journal record of everything you were, so re- every cigarette, what you were thinking, what you were feeling, and what triggered you, okay? Yes. So it comes to the... Session two weeks later, and he's got like I don't know 10 entries in the journal. Coach is like, Well, what the hell? Like, oh, <laughs> Did you only have 10 cigarettes? I'm very so. important. I'm a CEO, I don't have time for this nonsense. La la la. Excuse, excuse, uh-huh. excuse. Coach goes, I can't see you now. Listen, mm-hmm. you need to pay me for the time because you booked it, mm-hmm. you didn't cancel it 48 or whatever 24 hours in advance. We so have to pay, and if you charge enough. Like I charge three thousand dollars an hour. Believe me. Wow. They don't they don't fuck up? We're oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't know show.
0: They don't know show. Up, yeah. many, many. We're already marking this session yeah. explicit. So, so anyways, just,
1: you know, go for it. <laughs> so, so, he he um, doesn't. You know, doesn't do the thing. The coach says I can't see you. Put the money on the table. Whatever the coach was charging at the time. Yeah. You Guy's incensed. He's like, I can't see you. He's like, come on. No, I, you know, I want this. I really want this. He's like, well, you're not really demonstrate the behavior of someone who really wants it. No, I do. Mm-hmm. I do. Okay. I'll give you one more chance. Okay. So fine. Okay. I, I can, I can, I can remake an agreement once, once you do it more than once, now you're part of the problem, but I can remake an agreement once. Mm-hmm. So you remake the agreement. Here's the journal. I'll see you in two weeks. Every cigarette. What you were thinking, what you were feeling, what triggered you. Goes away, comes back two weeks later. <laughs> There's like five entries in the journal. Coach is like, you've yeah. got to be joking me. The guy goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Before you get all upset, I just quit smoking. Because it was easier than filling out the journal. I love it. and That's <laughs> that's why I say it's, it's not the tool that makes the change. It's the person. Mm-hmm. The tool yes. provides them the pivot point, right? It provides them... The opportunity to replace the programming. Yeah. And for some people, that reframing of a past event, the, bleh, mm-hmm. you know, adopting a new belief, learning a new strategy yes. for some people, that, that's what they need in order to replace the old program. For other people, it's just like for the CEO, it was more work to fill out the journal than it was just to stop smoking. Yeah. And that's yeah. what you want in the end is what you want the result. So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's hypnosis or NLP. So when I so when I mm-hmm. say to people I do breakthrough work because I'm not attached to the tool and I'm not constrained by the tool. Mm-hmm. So if I think that I need to use I don't know, an astrological reference in order to reframe a situation and that's what does the trick then I do it. And so mm-hmm. people can say, well, astrology is this or astrology is well, okay, but or my reframe solved the problem because the person was able to adopt the new paradigm. So yes. coaching is about change. It's not about tools. Tools are, are part of coaching, right? But well,
0: I mean, we know from experience, it's like when you have a practitioner who is more experienced typically, then they have more tools in that toolbox to pull from. So instead of just like one tool that they have, well, this is what I was trained in, this is what I do. Then it's like, oh no, it's a flexibility of mine It is as flexibility.
1: Well. And yeah. you could be trained in one tool and one tool only. Mm-hmm. But if you were like laser focused mm-hmm. on only taking clients with a burning desire and only taking clients who established full coachability, mm-hmm. however you do that in a pre-task sort of way, we call them ordeals, then you would have success with that one tool and you would be the most successful of that tool kind of coach for forever because, because it's the person who makes the change. It's the person who climbs Mount Everest. Sure the sherpa leads yeah, the lady yeah. at the. no uh, i see what you
0: mean I, i'm thinking of a very very famous cbt therapist in the 70s leader in the field always blah blah blah. Oh that God. is what he uses his own that is his tool although he'll tell you i have like 100 techniques within that tool <laughs> but like even but he is laser focused and
1: he will get to it he will get to medicine. it yeah like, like people uh, are that are you this pro western alternative it all works What doesn't work is if the person, and willingness includes belief, just so we're clear. Yes. So if you go into a treatment and you hold doubt, depending on the strength of that doubt, it's going to impact the treatment. So people will say this technique, you know, medicine works or it doesn't work. Well, yes and no, because it depends Mm -hmm. on the person, but it's not, it doesn't have to be conscious could be unconscious so they could mm-hmm. go into a very traditional whatever chemotherapy or whatever and the neighbor mm-hmm. could get perfect results and the other person could fail and the reason is not to do with the technique itself but rather the belief likewise one could go into I don't know um, a, a natural medicine technique or, or ayahuasca or whatever and it could work perfectly and the next person can go and it doesn't work because there's a, there's a, there's an element of doubt, but how many mm-hmm. doctors or naturopaths or chiropractors or whatever are trained in change? Yeah. They don't understand yeah. change. And you know, people will say, Oh, it's they, they do this. They, they, they swipe their hand and they go, Oh, it's just the uh-huh. placebo effect. And I'm like,
0: just just. <laughs> I know. my kids and I talk about the placebo
1: effect. Just
0: all the time. Like let's, let's hope for the placebo effect.
1: <laughs> Give me a sugar pill every time right yeah <laughs> just there's a book called love medicine and miracles by bernie Sigal. he's an md yeah i read him when i was 18 amazing book
0: yeah there's a story
1: was- i'm gonna just make this up but it's somewhere in because i don't have it it's downstairs but um there's a story somewhere around chapter I don't know, four or five ish the first story out of the gate in the chapter is about mr Wright and his mm-hmm. uh and his plight with, um, his disease. And it, and the story is a very, very illustrative metaphor about the power of belief and placebo. Mm-hmm. And the story's in there as a metaphor to just illustrate that it has more to do with like, so as the practitioner, like one of the things we impress upon our practitioners is they must hold the belief that what they're doing is possible. Yes. So if they don't like, I get hundred percent results, my results are guaranteed. Uh-huh. but I can promise you, you will not walk through my door unless I have already seen you make the change, right? Like I've already seen the change made through desire and willingness. Then all I do is, you know, move my hands around and move my words around and, <laughs> and you come out. the yeah. other Yeah. Well, I say it explicitly.
0: Sometimes I say when it's appropriate, of course, like I know you don't believe that for yourself right now, but I'm going to hold you, the possibility you have for to. you.
1: And what I tell my mm-hmm. clients, and that's Part of becoming a coach if you don't believe it send it to me i i mm-hmm. hold no prejudice i believe literally yeah. anything is possible people always say stupid things to me like oh you think turtles can fly right or something stupid <laughs> but the thing is they could that doesn't mm-hmm. mean they can't right so mm-hmm. quantum physics all realities are possible but yes. not all realities are probable correct that's quantum yeah. physics and, mm-hmm. and so, you know, is it possible that we could figure out how to fly? Well, sure, it's possible. But have we? Well, no. And just so we're clear, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Just because we haven't done it doesn't mean we can't. Mm-hmm. But it mm-hmm. would require someone to want it bad enough and to be willing to, you know, yeah, to, to test out a few things. Like the Wright brothers didn't fly on day one. And Roger Bannister didn't yeah. break the four minute mile the first time he tried. Right. So it, it is possible, but if you are the pioneer, you have to develop the model. So mm-hmm. you've got to want it pretty badly and you've got to be willing to fall down and, you know, for people to fly, you know, falling down is a bit costly. So- what do you tell people who,
0: who show up, who want to be willing? They, they really do. Or,
1: or let's say it's yeah, the coach's job to ask the willingness it's a it's a learned behavior so what do you mean so if somebody comes to you they really want it then you uh-huh. have to to make sure they're coachable and you have to call them on every single foul so okay so go to my website and read this did you go to my website no foul uh-huh. we stop here let me know uh-huh. when you've done what i asked you to do okay okay and so for me if they fail the the ordeals i don't take the client but what
0: about someone who's a manager you're saying Like someone who's a manager, so someone who's a manager has an application.
1: (laughs) So then your job is to manage accountability. The deadline was Friday. Uh Uh-huh. If there's no penalty, if there's no reward, if there's no, and you have to know the difference too. See, this is the thing. In a perfect peak performance world, um, towards focus, towards what you want, focused on what Mm -hmm. you want is a is a superior mental state. Okay. Mm However, you're, as a manager, you might have an employee who's completely focused on what they don't want by moving away from it, right? They're very stick okay. motivated Yes. instead of yeah. carrot-motivated, okay? So yes. People are stick-motivated mm-hmm. or carrot-motivated. Now, yes. carrot-motivated is a peak-performing state. Mm-hmm. That being said, your employee didn't ask to be a peak performer. They just got out of bed on Monday and went to work. So they don't Mm -hmm. want to be a peak performer. They're just in their job. And if they're stick motivated, then your job as the manager is to one, know that. So read the person, Mm -hmm. know they're stick motivated and then B, use the damn stick. (laughs) So if you know that (laughs) Bob is stick motivated, (laughs) then you say, Bob, the results have to be in by Friday or else blank. Yeah, And it could be, you you don't get your bonus or it could be Mm -hmm. like, it has to be stick motivated. If you speak their language, which is stick-motivated, they'll respond. Now, people are like, oh, my God, it's so negative. Okay, theoretically, it is, but we're not talking talking about an optimal world. We're talking about a real world. Well,
0: yes, but it's not negative if you're really speaking to what motivates that person. There's nothing negative about that. That's just facts.
1: Now, if the person is unhappy with that and, and unhappy with the fact that they keep attracting in their life all the stuff they don't want, then you have an opening because now you have desire. But see, until you have desire, you have no opening. So you have to work with what you have. And yes. that's the difference. Yeah, my
0: husband's work. They started this. He works for like a waste management company. And there's you know different parts and different teams and all this stuff. And the GC actually... He put up this contest, put everybody into random teams, and then he put them in different zones and they would drop a zone. He didn't explain anything. And my husband was really upset about this. And I said, well, did he assess anyone, whether they're like stick motivated <laughs> or carrot motivated? Because that's going to work for stick motivated totally, people. Totally. And not at if all. If they continue like dropping down and it's not going to work for carrot motivated people, they're going to get really they're gonna upset. quit." Yes. Yeah. Well, my husband asked to be actually taken out of the contest. He wanted nothing to do with right. it because he's not stick motivated. <laughs>
1: he's right. motivated. Right. All he needs is the promise but of a freaking pizza party on Friday and he'll do whatever they ask. It was interesting. He had
0: a, a sort of convoluted model because he's like, oh, the best team wins these prizes. But then he didn't. He It was all stick. It was so weird. Right. So weird. But he's like, I don't want the prize. Right. Like just take me out completely. Right. The whole thing is awful you know carrot motivated
1: (laughs) is reward for every step no penalty now again carrot motivation doesn't work at all for stick people and the truth is that most people are by default kind of stick motivated because if you're not in charge of your focus the world is constructed as a stick So the media, the mainstream, it's all geared towards focusing on what you don't want because that's a form of keeping people powerless, which is useful when you're trying to manage billions of people. Not that there's some sort of evil evil plot, but just it's a very, you know, if if people just don't step out of line, then they're easier to manage, right? So um, easier to feed, they're easier to clothe, you know, et cetera. So the world is constructed that way because... Most people by default, because they don't think about it, they think they're positive. They'll use positive words, but their focus is completely away from. And so I use the words towards and away from instead of positive or negative because you can be focused towards what you want and you can be focused away from what you don't want. And in both instances, your body will move in the direction of your goal. But in Mm -hmm. one case, you're focused towards what you want So you're going to bring more of what you want into your reality. And in the other situation, you're focused away from what you don't want. So whilst you might be moving toward your goal, the instruction you're giving, the unconscious part of your mind is what you don't want. And eventually you'll go back to that. And that's literally the mechanism of yo-yo dieting, of yo-yo finances. Any Mm yo-yo result means you're pretending you're focused on what you want, but you're actually not. You're focused on what you don't want. And by focused, I mean, that's where you're giving your attention. So you're saying, I don't want to be poor. I don't want to be a failure. I don't want to be fat. I Whatever the word is Mm -hmm. that people use. But you would never say those words in public because they're not socially acceptable. So you might say things like, oh, my New Year's resolution is to be fit. Or I want financial freedom. Nobody who uses the word financial freedom well, okay, I won't say nobody because I don't like explicit. Most people who use the the goal financial freedom are focused away from being dirt poor, and mm-hmm. and because nobody who wants money for the sake of expressing themselves and making a difference on the planet and and you know impacting the world through money, would ever use the phrase financial freedom because they're already free. Finances don't make you free, right? So Mm -hmm. this idea of financial freedom was a big joke on people because it sounds like you're all focused on what you want, but you're not. It's like saying, I want to be fit. And really what you're doing is looking in the mirror and hating your body, but you won't tell anybody that. So you're actually doing yourself a disservice because your conscious mind spewing all this positive language, but your unconscious mind is focused on what you don't want. And it's like, well, I've got to bring you what you don't want because that's where you've got me focused. You've got like, like if this is your unconscious mind, I'm running
0: can- so what I'm doing, Gina, is running that through my head. Um, and and in like an instant, trying to analyze like Dave Ramsey's language, which his language is debt-free. Even that, right? like, yeah. How about? But yeah, he's extremely successful. Well, his sure programs probably. are extremely well, millions sure. of people achieve but- debt-free, right? And <laughs> This sense of freedom because everything is paid off, including their house. do they just get debt free? No, do they relapse? No. I don't know as relapse rate. That's a really good question. <laughs> but I mean, there's enough there's enough millions of people that have become debt free and stayed debt free. That's great. Have-
1: but like, and great. And if that's your end game, I guess it kind of works. Um, but generally, people who are spending that time and effort for finances. They actually want the freedom that comes with financial freedom. Yes. They do. And the focus has got to be on the, on the possibility, right? Not away from the prospect.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I think his big carrot actually is that once you do achieve that, you can give freely. You can give back to people. And that's the best feeling and in the there world. There
1: is the secret in this guy's yeah. method. I'm going to tell you, if we pick yeah. it apart- and that's uh-huh. why it works for some people because they they focus on what they can give, yes, not what they get to have or whatever. Because we're really like, yeah. it's, well, it's nice to have a whatever fancy boat or yeah. something. It's sort of empty. So, and and don't yeah. Clear. I'm a big right. fan of money. Buy whatever you want. But what really motivates people to change their patterns is um, a notion of participating in life, giving, uh, contributing, donating money to charity. You know, this is why most religions have some form of tithing as part of their practice because Mm -hmm. then it's not about the personal ego. It's about the greater collective. Yes, Right. And Mm -hmm. if you just focus on your debt, you're going to just, you're just going to bring more debt to the equation. That's why weight loss doesn't work Mm -hmm. because they they focus like, I mean, even the language we use in weight loss, I lost weight. Well, what do you do when you lose your keys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. seek them out. Uh-huh. So no, right? So again, it's all about what we don't want. We don't want obesity. We don't want blah blah blah. blah. No, no. Yeah. How about yeah. we I... want health and fitness and vitality and well-being? And are you willing to do all those things? Right. Right. Anyone good working with weight loss,
0: including myself, um, sure, is focused on let's reframe this. Like, what what is the real goal here? Right. Is it health? Is it fitting into wonderful clothes, clothes that you like? Is it shopping in a way that feels good? You know, all these positive things. But then it's like, I don't know, would that work for the stick people?
1: Well, probably not. So that, that's where NLP. <laughs> so to go back to the conversation, NLP is this yeah. mechanism that works in our modern time so you can change someone's strategy from stick to carrot it's just a strategy Uh yeah and then they have to practice it until it becomes their norm right yes so so when you replace a pattern it's not enough to just break the pattern although that's important you do have Uh to break the pattern but then you have to replace the pattern and that's still not enough
0: you have Uh to replace
1: the pattern and you have to do it until it's dominant
0: yeah, well, yeah. How
1: do you know it's dominant while well, you're consistently getting the result that previously was a challenge?
0: Yes. there is
1: coaching, right? So we have yes. this framework that we teach at Greatness U, that teaches all of these sorts of complex con- concepts, but it also teaches mm-hmm. the tools like NLP. So we have to have some tools, otherwise we can't talk. So we use NLP, hypnosis, timeline therapy. But what we teach in the framework is, you know, all good coaches have tools, uh-huh. and all good coaches know that they kind of need to determine where their client's at and where they want to get to. And then they need to use their tools in a specific way to hopefully execute that transition. But what we do is we insert two sub-steps. One is before you use the tools. So um, we call that loosening the model, the greatness you. Mm-hmm. And loosening the model includes you know, destabilizing their attachment to the current way they do it so we okay. use language reframes um mm-hmm. questioning you know nlp meta meta model milton models so there's a model in nlp that comes from milton erickson which is a language pattern designed to generate agreement but it's not pure hypnosis but it's like something you could just use when you're talking to someone but if you know what hypnosis is then technically you're technically you're using a form of hypnosis but not really because they don't there's no real outcome. We teach all these tools, and they're all designed and the and the intake and you know determine desire, yeah. determine willingness. They're all designed to make sure the person is literally ripe. Because mm. if they really want it, if they're a ten out of ten of desire, and they're a ten yeah. out of ten in willingness. Then all you've got to do is execute your tools, and they'll change mm-hmm. in a, an instant. That's how long change takes, and that's why it's an mm-hmm. inflection point up here on my mm-hmm. thing because. It changes instant. Then coaches are like, "Oh yeah, they change." Phew. That <laughs> your work yeah. has just begun as the coach. Now you've got to design a series of tasks that have the person live that new behavior day in and day out till it's yeah. regular, right? Totally and solidified. as the coach, yeah. you have to hold them accountable. And so for me, this is why I I, I guarantee and I and my, my my rates are what they are because my work's guaranteed. But Mm -hmm. there are two caveats. One, you have to focus on what you want. And I have a mechanism for teaching people how to know if they're focused on what they want. And two, you have to do every single task 100% the way it was outlined when when you left the office. And every time someone calls me and says, oh, I don't have the result. One of those two things has failed. And so Interesting. they have to go back. Like I had a guy call me and he wanted to double his income, which by the way, is super easy. It's just it's just money patterns, right? Money's easy. And so we did it. And then he called me up and he said, oh, I'm almost there, but I'm not there. And you said I could, you know, I'd be at 2X. And I was like, well, let's, you know, are you focusing on what you want? Mm, you know, okay, fine. I was like mildly accept- acceptable. But then at his tasks, let's say he had 10, he was doing mm-hmm. eight of them. So he had eighty percent of his role He's doing eight of ten tasks. So I'm like, well, you're not doing two of your tasks. He's like, oh, geez, you know, uh, I suppose I should go do my two tasks. I was like, no, no. He's like, oh, really? I said, no, you need to start over and do all ten again. (laughs) What? (laughs) I was like, but I did eight of them. I said, I don't care. Now you have to. I said to do ten, and and I'm not sure if the two will do the job, but I'm sure ten of them will. So Uh go back and do all ten. So okay, he went from my office, called me. X number of months later. He said, I'm so close. I'm 90%. I said, which task haven't you done yet? Oh, this one. (laughs) Are you kidding? (laughs) Right. So go back, do all 10 again. Are you kidding? No, no. Yeah. Like do 10, stop calling me. Right. Uh So then he called me a few months later and I was like, hello. And he said, oh my God, I just want to tell you, like, everything's changed. It's so amazing. I'm at this new company. I got to wait. You know, I didn't realize how much the old company was stifling me. And he was just going on and on and on about how great it was. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what's your salary? And he said, three X, whatever X was, it was three times. And I said, oh my God, amazing. Good for you. See, we're done. And he's like, oh no, no, no. But it wasn't at my old company. And I said, I don't give a crap where you made three X. Yeah. Nowhere in, in my, or your, requirements was it to happen at the place where you at were working. company. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And he was like, well, no, that doesn't count. I'm like, what are you talking about count? Are you making more than double what you were making when you met me? Yeah. We're done. Yes. And not only absolutely. that, but you're making triple. So actually that 10th task, <laughs> but you know what I yes. mean? But it wasn't yeah, the, it
0: compounded.
1: The, it wasn't the 10th task. The task brought him into compliance.
0: Yeah, that's
1: willingness. Yeah. So, you know, people will say, oh, Gina's a sledgehammer. I am. I am not for everybody. If you go to my website Mm -hmm. right now, and I'm going to hunt, this is not a joke. And I think it's ginamollicone.com slash coaching or whatever. If you go to the main coaching tab, it literally says warning. This is not for everybody. Go, go away. Like, (laughs) I love it. This is not for you Mm -hmm. because I like, that's the first test. You know what I mean? Like, like, like people who come there and they're like, oh, whoopsies. Right. I don't even want to talk to them. Then if you get Mm -hmm. through the page and you're like, okay, I kind of want to find out more Then there's another page and up comes all the like operating agreements. So like, Mm -hmm. don't even hit, I want more info. If you don't understand it's 3000 bucks an hour, it's probably 10 to 14 hours. You got to come to me. You got to do all the tasks, la, 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 la. If you, if you're not even, that's not even like in your conscious realm of possibility, I'm not for you. Someone else is I'm not. And there's no hard feelings. If they get through that gate Then they go through a whole nother series of, it's like a video game, right? And so, (laughs) but do you understand, like uh, coach to coach, right? Whether Mm -hmm. you call yourself a coach or not. If you work with other people, you're a coach. Coach to coach. If you only take the people who are perfectly suited for what you do, not because the tools work better than the other tools. It's the temperament of the person. You know, there's a stigma around hypnosis. Uh Good, bad, right, or wrong. Okay, I want to. I have something to say about that, so I'm going to cross my finger because I, I do want to make sure it gets into the show. But the bottom line is, if someone is completely resistant to hypnosis, you can be the best hypnotist in the world, it won't work. So don't take that client. They're not for you. You don't yeah. need clients. Clients need you. There's seven billion people on the planet. Find the ones who resonate with what you do. Yeah. Here's absolutely. what I'm going to say about the stigma around hypnosis and anything for yeah. that matter. If you wanted to keep things a secret, and we've already established that advertising is hypnosis, which means the advertising Mm -hmm. founders knew this, Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, and if you really want the history of it, read a book written in the 1920s by Edward Bernays, who was the nephew of Sigmund Freud. He wrote a 100-page book called Propaganda, and it explained everything. Okay, got it. All PR. This became the Bible of PR and advertising. Okay? okay. And for most world leaders too, just as a side note, <laughs> uh, it explains everything. It's boring. It's a hundred pages of like very dry, uh, but it ma- yeah. explains everything. So if you had a secret and you knew that if you could have people in a, in a trance, which is just a brainwave state, and then you mm-hmm. could make suggestions and they would accept those suggestions. If you knew this, this is a very powerful tool because you mm-hmm. can't make people do things against their will. So you right. kind of have to have their compliance. Well,
0: you won it. I do have a, a hypnotist friend who says I can make people do things against their will. That's not the point. The point is I don't want to.
1: But it's not really against their will because because what you, he can get around their will. Yeah. And I'll tell you something. The fastest way to have someone give up their will power, their power, if you will, is fear. That's a fear is a trans inducer. I don't use hypnosis like that. So I use hypnosis at the end of a breakthrough mm-hmm. because because as you've seen, you can incept an idea into the level of mind that they'll permit you to go mm-hmm. to. But if the problem exists below that level mm-hmm. I.e it's an older program or more entrenched or whatever, then it's like planting a flower on top of a weed yeah. right the, yeah. the, the dominant weed will right. thrive. So we do breakthroughs mm-hmm. so we that what we teach is something called the breakthrough process mm-hmm. so we teach everybody this, like if you were to go through all our curriculum, you'd end up I'm with a breakthrough putting it all together okay. in the breakthrough process. And in the breakthrough process, what we do is we remove all those patterns. We use NLP and timeline therapy to get rid of the patterns that are preventing change. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, the person could leave at that point, theoretically. Yeah. And as long as they replaced those patterns with new patterns towards their goals, they'd get their goals. But then we use hypnosis to plant seeds in a, in a pristine garden bed. And so that's why it's very effective because there's nothing competing because we've removed it all pre breakthrough. And so it's a very effective form of hypnosis because you're not competing with the problem. The problem was removed using something else, right? Some other form of more appropriate. Like we we took out a, a belief using a technique that works really well with beliefs or whatever. And so, um, again, it all comes down to compliance. Yeah. Like if I'm doing timeline therapy with someone, essentially what we're doing is rewriting time. My job is to make them do it. They don't have to believe me. Yeah. They just have to do the steps that I give them. If they do the steps, they'll get the result. Okay. So it's not faith-based now faith works. I've seen it. Yes. I've seen faith-based. For sure. I've seen all you need yes. is like really at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. We all, all hear about students. those miracles. We do. Right? Well, the, yeah. that's because that at the end of the day, what we are doing is changing belief. But sometimes people need a little proof before they change belief. So it, it's sometimes the cart before the horse. But one of my students uh, wrote a book called Belief is the New Black. <laughs> Something really <laughs> okay. like catchy at the time. Yeah, yeah. Like you know how uh-huh. like... yeah whatever like you know catchy like that and the whole thing was like you know what I'm what I'm noticing is like it's ultimately we change beliefs even though we're not aren't directly Mm -hmm. challenging beliefs Mm -hmm. what we're doing is the person begins to believe and I think this is what she was trying to say in her book the person begins to believe in their causative power Mm -hmm. yes yes once you establish that, the person's unstoppable. Yeah, agreed. That's what agreed. the movie Limitless was about.
0: Agreed. Well, right? I think that's a good place to stop because we are yeah. near we the end do- of our time. <laughs> and that's a wonderful days place days. to stop there. I know we could right? talk forever. You I have see. the power. That's the place to stop. I do. I do. At you. the end of the day, everybody does. where going. Yes. Right? So please tell people how to find you. I think you mentioned it before. But if they would like to check you out or check out your coaching programs, training, sure. all that good stuff. Sure.
1: You know, I always like, like, I I love that the normal answer is to send people to our website, but I've got a link tree that is always the most up to date with the things that we're giving, like a web free webinar, free this, whatever, my social's all there. So if you go to link tree, right, I think it's link Mm -hmm. right, slash Gina Mollicone, G-I-N-A-M-O-L-L-I-C-O-N-E. Then that's going to have everything up to date. It's going to have the links to all my social. Right. Great. And, and just for those of you that are listening, my TikTok's on fire. And two minute pingo is, is, my jam. Awesome. And I don't know why, but it just exploded. So that's probably the, like, you know, the coolest place to go. I love TikTok. Um, but if, I'll go there. Exactly. I'm but to go, yeah. <laughs> but if like I had you at hello and you want to go straight to the classroom, go to greatnessu.com you.com. Okay. Greatness, letter you.com and just start following the prompts. Great. Right? Because because that's where we're training people. And I have a feeling that a lot of your audience are people who are sort of in the change arena. Yes. Let's right? assume that. Yes. And and we need everybody doing it so like I said, we need everybody doing it in the flavor that, that turns them on right in their Mm -hmm. bliss. And if you're working in in your field, and I'm working in my field, and we understand that all we need are humans who have desire and willingness, Mm -hmm. it it would be very rapid.
0: Yes. Yeah, it is. It It is rapid. rapid. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was a
1: inspiring and wonderful conversation. Thank you for having me let me do my thing and talk about what I love and you know get out of the way so to speak